Hello, hello. I'm glad you joined us today. I, I know some of you guys are going to watch sun, uh, Saturday night and some of you guys are joining Sunday morning. And uh, more than anything, in the middle of this whole thing, I know we can be so weighed down because there's the fear of the unknown, uh, what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to go on. There's the, the financial instability. Some of us, we're dealing with isolation or we're going crazy at home, right? But listen, I just want you not to rev yourself up because uh because we can really get crazy in our fears and and the what ifs can paralyze us and 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 listen i i want you to be responsible and vigilant and keeping your family and the vulnerable safe i want that but at the same time we have to manage the energies of our stress and anxiety because it can spill over and and we need to be people who can create peace in the home peace at work, and for those around us, asking God to lead us, because I really, really, really believe that he's the only one who can bring that overwhelming peace. We can be people of peace. Listen, the church right now, we think it's canceled, but it's not canceled because guess what? We are the church, and more than ever before, the church has been sent out, and you need to be the church and people need you. Don't unplug, but engage right now. And, and with that in mind, we are going to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read some verses. Uh, we're continuing the series called Rooted. And our desire is that you would continue to build your rooted relationships with God and with your church and with your world. But this takes a plan, right, of dis discipline, of practice, of reflecting, of studying, and refining your apprenticeship to Jesus. That's what we're doing. So today, we're going to take a deeper dive into who you are, right? And I pray that God would open up your spiritual eyes. And, and, and I want to go through three questions that we're going to talk about. And the questions are this, and you'll see it. I'm going to put it up on the slide. What is the church? What are we called to do and how do we do this? What is the church? What are we called to do and how do we do this? Uh, here's some historical context that uh, I want to get into when Peter was writing this book. It was a complex time, such like this, a time of chaos and fear. There was so much unknown going on and people were hunkering down in their homes and it's just much like today. They don't know what's going to happen next. But this is crazy. Nero was on the throne and he was one of the crazy Caesars, right? Who burned down Rome. And guess what? When you burn down people's homes and people's businesses, people don't like that right? So to take the heat off himself, Nero blamed the Christians, which began persecution. And, and, and then these Christians, they were being hunted down. They were being crucified in the name of justice, in the name of justice. Think about that for a moment. And, and this was the cultural context that this letter was written in. And Peter himself later was captured and crucified upside down. Yet this is the words that Peter told his church. And I think for us, it might be a perfect time to listen up in a moment in a state of fear. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 9. I'll be quick. It says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He's just saying, you can't be doing this stuff in times like this. Like newborn babies crave spiritual pure milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Like crave more, crave more. 
Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, verse four, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also say me also, that's, that's horrible. I also like living stones being built into a his, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture, it says, I lay a stone in Zion chosen and precious cornerstone, right? A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So he's laying this cornerstone. And if you trust in him, you will not be put to shame. Verse seven, let's finish this out. Now that now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that caused people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Verse nine, but you say me or I you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, the gospel wasn't given yet, but now you have received the mercy through Jesus Christ. Peter begins by saying, hard times are coming. If not now, then soon they're coming at you. So it's time to grow up. You can't continue the way you started. Listen, God takes you as you are, but you can't stay where you are, right? Because people are depending on you. You can't remain babies. It's time to grow up in this thing we call salvation. Your your understanding of God, your walk with God, it's time to grow up developing to learn his way, his word, stop dealing with the same issues. He's saying some of us, we've been dealing with the same issues that we've been dealing with for 10 years. And there has to be progress. There has to be change because we're facing difficult times. Stop playing in low expectations or playing into it. Listen, babies are cute when they're little, they're cuddly, but 30 year old man babies wearing diapers are not that cute. So the slander, the hatred, the manipulation, the hypocrisy, being two-faced, the envy, the jealousy can't continue. Not like this, because we need you. We need you. So the first question is, what is the church? I'm going to go back to that. What is the church, right? Verse 46 says, Jesus is the living stone, the foundation, the base, and we are like living stones, building material, walls, lights, and, and the drywall. So Jesus is the living stone, and we are, are little living stones. We're, we're building ourselves on Jesus, and he is the master builder and building us on himself, connecting us. This is what he's doing. He's connecting us all together. We're all different but God uses our differences to build it, us into a dwelling, a home designed for praise and community. That's the church. We're not a place. We are a, 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 all pieces of a house that together the presence of God comes down and inhabits, right? I know a lot of people says, I don't need the church. My faith is personal. I, I don't need community. I can do this myself. Like well, I understand that. Listen, I know being a part of a community, even this community is hard and it gets messy. People will let you down. They disappoint you and, and leaders, myself, sometimes will fail you. We'll miss it. I miss it a lot, but it's in the community 
that we bear the image of God. I'm going to say that again. It's in the community of us coming together. We bear the image of God where we grow. That's where you grow. And that's where we walk our obedience in Christ Jesus. God is building a house and you are not autonomous to that. Every part is connected to the other. And just think about this. When you're building a house, the roof cannot stand without the post or the load bearing wall or the studs. Every part affects the other, right? And if one part breaks, it affects the other part and it, and it can also break. Now, most people in America, they just come to church. They're, you know, that's what they do right now. They come to church, maybe not now, right? We're watching church church online but you know what i mean they get the teaching they may even go to a class a growth track they talk to a few friends but let me ask you are you so built into people's lives that if you stopped being apart things would collapse are you that built in the goal in western culture is independence we celebrate that. We write books about how being self-made, yet the goal of the church is interdependence. We share life together, decisions together, struggles together, homes together, money together. I know, yeah, we share everything. And in this interdependence, this, this connection life, we hold each other up and God inhabits the reality of our connections. And, and with Jesus, the cornerstone, that's what Peter says. So what does that mean? That Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. In the first century, builders would, uh, would place a big giant cornerstone, right? As the foundation, the standard, which the building was constructed. You construction workers, you, you would understand this. It's the level, it's the, it's the plumb line, it's the design, it's the angles and the size of the cornerstone. Everything else is built upon that. In addition, if you remove the entire structure could collapse. Peter described Jesus as the cornerstone in that way. He's giving us a picture of how important how our life should be built around Jesus. For the church, Jesus is the basis determining every measurement in its construction. Everything is aligned, is connected to Jesus. Listen, we all have cornerstones. And, and, and in, this, in this world, in our culture, we all have cornerstones that we build our life around. And it might not be Jesus, most likely, right? If you would be honest, most likely the thing we build our life around is not Jesus. We build our identity, our values, our hopes, and our dreams. What do we build those on? Many times it's money or possessions. For some of us, it's our looks, our strength, our knowledge, even our family or an individual, our relationship. But what happens when everything is shaken? Like it's happening today. Things are being shaken. There's so much unknown. Can your cornerstone keep you from falling apart? Can your cornerstone continue to grow you? Is what your life, you built your life on working? Is it sustaining you? Is it giving you peace? Is it giving you wisdom? Is it building you up? Even in times like this, these are the moments we can clearly see what we have been building our life on. When the stock market has cut down from like 28, 29,000 to whatever, 19,000 right now, are we building our life on that? When we can't go to work, when the kids are stuck at home with us, are we building our life on something greater? Because these are the moments we clearly see what we build our life on. What is it for you? 
And Peter tells us out of what, out of who we are, what we are built on flows what we do. Out of our identity flows our activity, right? So what does the church do? Verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It's like you are part of God's priesthood, right? And priests have three main roles. They have four main roles, really, I'm going to talk about. First, the priest leads the worship of God. Biblical priest leads God's people in a habitual, in habits of regular worship, right? We lead the charge. Jen is not our, not just our worship leader. We're all worship leaders. So you exist first and foremost to worship God. And this is more than singing and more than church attendance. Worship is everything we do from the gatherings we come together uh, many times on Sundays, from working on Mondays to raising our kids on Tuesdays to our generosity on Wednesdays. Worship is all inclusive, all inclusive. It's not just compartments of doing Christian stuff. We lead the worship of God by the way we live, living in such a way that people see the distinction that Jesus makes. Second, priests represent God to people. They communicate God's word and God's love to our world. That's a big deal. It is. I know we are not perfect. We're not Jesus, but we are his church. We, so we choose to live aware of his presence every day, knowing that our lives make Jesus credible to our world. We carry his name. We, the way we treat people, especially those who offer us nothing, those who come against us, shows the legitimacy of the living stone that we're built on. Think about that. Now, let me ask you, can, pe can people come to you at their worst day? Do you make room for people who are not all put together? People who are not like you, not like me, not on your edu educational level or socioeconomic level, who don't believe the same because Jesus did. Because Jesus did. Third, priests represented God to people. That's what they did. They would go before God with prayers for the people who are called. We are called to pray. We are called to pray. I'm asking you, church, in these moments, don't just try to figure it out and use all your wisdom and what I could do. We are called to pray, to pray. And prayer is not something that we do, but something we are part of. It is more than words and knees on the floor and heads bowed down. Prayer means God is here and we are connected. It's being awake, aware, and alive to the divine around, in, and through us. So, so we are praying to bring people into the divine. That's what we're doing. People who need God, people who need hope, who could not believe and go for themselves. We're asking God for their forgiveness. We're asking God for their mercy for someone else. We are priests represented people to God. And lastly, Fourth, priests represent a counterculture, a culture in culture. The early Christians were a counterculture in culture. They felt like foreigners. That's what Peter says in, in verse 11, right? They felt like weirdos. They didn't 
really fit in, right? They weren't fully accepted because they were living so differently. For instance, I'll, I'll read a list. They didn't go to a gladi- gladiatorial celebration, so they were socially awkward. They didn't support Caesar's wars. They wouldn't fight, so th- th- it made them kind of rebellious against the government. They were fervently against uh, infanticide. They stood against the culture and brought human value, especially for the girls that were tossed aside. They empowered women, allowing women to participate in leadership. They were against sex outside of marriage, which they were considered restrictive to the Romans. They were radically for the poor. They also mixed races and classes together. That means that means a rich and a poor man and, and different races would all sit at the same table as equals. And, and during that time, that was kind of graceful, uh, disgraceful. It was weird. They believed in the exclusivity of Jesus as the only way to God in a time where there were so many ways, so many gods and goddesses and ways to God. But Peter told us that this would happen. He said, this is what we're facing, right? And, 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 And this way of Jesus, it offends both the conservative and the liberal. It offends the spiritual relativist and the spiritual religious, right? And it continues to be true today. Both sides love things about Christianity and also hate things about Christianity. But Peter told us this would be true. And and so I just want to write here, listen, just imagine the church is a picture, is a picture that people see. When a person hears about some guy in heaven who they can't see or the Holy Spirit that lives among us that is invisible, it's hard to understand. It's not tangible enough. Yet, we are a picture of what the gospel produces. What devotion looks like, what love looks like, what mission looks like. And yes, we're messy, yet it is your life that gives weight to the gospel you talk about. It is your life that gives weight to the gospel we talk about. So how does this look in this moment, this modern moment? How do we do this? Here are some practical ways I want you to do it. With your family in this moment, spend time with your family in a meaningful way. Your family is your responsibility. Your family is your responsibility. Listen, these kids, they don't have sports or activities. And uh, many of you guys who travel, you guys aren't traveling. Things are going slower. Take this moment to make the most out of it. Make memories. Guide your family through fears. Invite your family together for family time. Be creative and purposeful. Speak purposefully. Give wisdom. And, and lead them to Christ in these moments. Closer to God. And trust in Him. Number two, church, family, then church. Don't step away right now. Step in. I know it's easy to step away when we don't feel as connected, when we don't feel like, uh, we, we don't feel like oh, we're coming together. But l- listen, we got to use what we got to. Use technology. Do a video conference call with your church. And this is what I want you to do. Even this week, I, I call it a well check. And I got this idea from a friend, Mark Hardiker. He said this, do well checks. Uh, just even each person, if we can reach out to six people a week, Every week, reach out to the same six people and ask them three questions. What are you doing? What do you need? And how can I pray for you? What are you doing? How are you doing? 
Now, what are you doing? How are you doing? What do you need? And how can I pray for you? That's relational poverty, physical poverty, and spiritual poverty, right? This relational emotional moment. Some of us, we're not mentally doing good. We want, we need people to ask us how we're doing and help us, right? You are priests standing for God and standing for people, a counterculture. Remember your commitment. Remember his promises and remember the call on your life. That has not changed. And finally, remember your neighbors. That's part three, family, church, and neighbors. Pastor your block. Knock on doors. You can sit outside the glass screen if they have one. Check in on them weekly, same way. Pastor your block. Blessed people with toilet paper. Give it as a gift with some hand sanitizer, right? Ask them the same three questions. How are you doing, really? What do you need? And take a step and say, you know what? How can I pray for you during this time? Own your block. These are three simple ways we can be the church in this time. Living stones. Built on Jesus. Priests. All pictures of what the gospel produces through your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray we just take this moment and we, maybe some of us even out there, just bow our heads for a moment. You might be sitting in your cars trying to get away from people or you might be at home with the kids, but even take this moment, bow your heads right now and I pray, God, let us be the church that you've called us to, built on Jesus. And as we come together, even while we're apart, Lord, we, we act together in mission that you would inhabit your church and your people, Lord God. I pray that this week we would take some practical actions to do wellness checks inside the church and, and, and we would pastor our block outside the church family. And Lord, give us wisdom and I pray we do this all out of worship for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. And we will connect soon.